Good morning. Thanks, Liam, for leading us as Chad is away this week. It was good. Uh, when I go grocery shopping, the hardest thing for me to buy is uh, fruit. Most everything else comes in cans or jars. One thing is the same as the other. One can of beans is the same as the next can of beans. But when it comes to fruit, I have to inspect it. I have to look at the color of the banana. Not too yellow, not too green. I have to squeeze, or or not too hard, but touch the apple, you know. Make sure it's not too soft. I have to thump the melon to figure out uh, something. I, I have no idea what. I just do it, you know, thumping the melon. The bottom line is, uh, you need information to determine which fruit to choose. And in our passage for today, Paul is going to give us the information we need to pick the right fruit. Not apples or bananas or watermelon, but the fruit of slavery. Been talking about this over the past several weeks. Seems weird to think about slavery in any kind of positive way, but... We'll see some more today. In these final verses, Romans chapter 6, verses 20 to 23, Paul's going to focus on the fruit, the benefits, the results of being either a slave to sin or a slave to God. He's going to line them up so we can examine them. We can be fruit inspectors in a sense. So so we can make a well-informed decision about who we will enslave ourselves to. So if you have Bibles... If you don't, there's some in front of you in the, in the pews under, in, the, in the bottom. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. We'll finish uh, the chapter today, but, but, but let's first review the context. Where have we come from? If we back up to verse 14, Paul wrote that sin will have no dominion, no rule over those who are under grace. Those who've been saved by grace through faith are not subject to the authority of sin. But that brings up a question. And Paul asks and answers that question in verse 15. What then? Are we to sin because we're not under the law but under grace? By no means. Does the fact that we are under grace, saved by grace and not under the law, a system of of works-based righteousness, does that mean we can just continue to sin? doesn't matter since our, our own efforts, our own uh, uh, efforts to obey the law, to do good works have absolutely nothing to do with our salvation. Does that mean we have no responsibility to obey the law, to obey God's word, God's law, that we can just continue to live in sin? And Paul answers, uh, Paul's answer is very clear. Right there he follows it with no, by no means. This is a ridiculous way of thinking. And then in in verse 16 through the end of the chapter, and even into chapter 7, which we'll see in upcoming weeks, he defends this answer. Why can't we who are saved by grace, whose sins, uh, past, present, and future, are forgiven, why can't we just continue to sin? Why can't we rely on God's grace to forgive again and again and again? And Paul answers these questions by using this concept of slavery. In Romans 6.16, he writes, Do you not know that if, if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one to whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, 
or of obedience which leads to righteousness. We can either live in obedience in slavery to God, which leads to righteousness, or disobedience to God, slavery to sin, which leads to death. You've got to serve somebody. Paul's point is that it, to think those who are saved by grace would serve, would obey uh, sin is ridiculous because being under grace means that you've enslaved yourself. You be, have become this uh, given yourself. You've sold yourself into slavery to God. You come under grace by presenting yourself as an obedient slave to God. Then in verses 17 and 18, he continues to show why continuing in sin is ridiculous by listing three things that being a slave to God means. We looked at these last week. Let me just quickly review. First, it's ridiculous to think you can continue in sin because slavery to God means you're not a slave to sin. Seems obvious. Verse 17, but thanks be to God that that you who were once slaves to sin... We were all once slaves to sin, born in Adam, born with our sin nature, in control, having authority. But when we were saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ, when we were united with Christ and and counted or declared righteous by God, then sin's authority is no more. His control was broken. Sin was defeated. And, and we are no longer slaves to sin, but instead we become slaves to God. So first, to think we who are not slaves to sin are to continue in sin is ridiculous. And second, to think we are to continue in sin is ridiculous because slavery to God means we are, in fact, slaves to obedience. Verse 17 of Romans 6 again, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. It's a matter of the heart. This may seem obvious, but slavery to God means we obey God. I mean, that's the whole point of this illustration of using slavery. We obey the one we're enslaved to. We're committed from the heart to obey God's standard of teaching, His will and His word. And finally, It's ridiculous to think we can continue in our sin because slavery to God means we are slaves to righteousness. Verse 18, And having been set free from sin, no longer a slave to sin, you've become slaves of righteousness. Again, righteousness is is this concept of being right before God. And when you're saved by grace through faith, we've talked about this, a lot, you are united with Christ. And what is true about Christ is true about you. You are in Christ. And so when you're saved, when you trust in the, in the death of Jesus Christ to pay the penalty for your sin, you receive the righteousness of Christ. You're counted or, or declared righteous by God. If you're a Christian today, righteousness before God is now who you are. And being a slave to righteousness means that you now live based on who you are in Christ. You're not to live as if you uh, still were ruled by sin. That's crazy. You're to live in obedience to God, who's your new master. 
who you presented yourself to. So it's ridiculous to think that those who are under grace can continue in their sin because you are slaves to God. And slave, being a slave to God uh, means you're not a slave to sin. You're a slave to obedience and to righteousness. Then in verse 19, Paul adds, For just as, one, as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now, application, present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Slavery to sin and slavery to God both have consequences. Slavery to sin results in more sin. Lawlessness leads to more lawlessness. And Paul's already said, and that all ultimately leads to death. But slavery to God, slavery to obedience and righteousness leads to sanctification. We're going to talk more about this word, but but right now it it means purity and, and holiness, righteousness, being right before God. So again, it's ridiculous to think anyone would continue in, in sin that leads to death when you can continue in obedience and righteousness that leads to holiness, to transformation, to sanctification. And so that's what we've seen so far since, since verse 14 of Romans. And now in our passage today, Paul has already described part of the results of slavery to sin, of being a slave to sin, or of being a slave to God. And now, in these final four verses, he continues this description. He wants us to be very clear about the ridiculous nature of thinking that because we are under grace, we are to continue in sin. And so he describes the fruit, uh, the benefits, the results, the consequences of our slavery. He begins with the fruit of slavery to sin. Romans 6.20 For when you were slaves to sin, again, for the believer, for the Christian in Rome that he's writing to and the Christian in Riverside that is here today, this is a reflection on our past. When you were slaves to sin. Paul wants us to think about our lives before we came to Christ. Before we were under grace. He wants us to remember you were once a slave to sin. Because he he doesn't want us to think that we're in any way to continue to live as slaves to sin. And he begins by saying, when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Okay. Now we usually think of freedom as a very uh, positive thing, right? At least... That's our culture. That's our American culture. We celebrate the fact that we live in the land of the free and the home of the brave. We honor our soldiers who fight and die for our freedom. Freedom is an extremely valued commodity. But freedom is not always a positive thing. For example, today after church, I'm free. I'm totally free to go home, kick up my feet on the couch, ignore my wife and Watch some TV. It's not football season, so I guess I have to watch the Winter Olympics. Okay. I have the freedom to do that, but the consequences or the fruit of exercising that freedom would not be positive in my life, let me assure you. And in a similar way, even though uh, the slave to sin is free in regard to righteousness, exercising that freedom does not have positive consequences in their lives. 
Remember, righteousness is the condition of being right before God. And slaves to sin are free from that condition. They they are not right before God, and they are free to live not right before God. In fact, they have no power and no ability to be right before God. And unfortunately, this is the condition that most people in our world uh, not only are in, but want to be in. This is the condition we, you and I, would be in if God had not done a work in our hearts. We, humanity, want to be free from God. We want to be free from His righteous standards. And this, I believe, is why so many people reject the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Some may claim certain intellectual reasons for not believing. I don't believe in God. Why why should I? God is no longer necessary because science has proven that we exist through a, a process of evolution. Others may claim emotional reasons for not believing. I can't believe in a God who would allow evil things to happen in my life and in in my world. But ultimately, people reject God. They reject the Gospel of Jesus Christ for moral or, or immoral reasons. They want freedom from God's righteousness. As Paul, speaking of, of humanity, wrote in Romans chapter 1, we, we looked at this, we're on week uh, 41 right now, in our study through Romans. And so, uh, this was in week 10 or so. So, 31 weeks ago, so to speak, we saw this. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. We don't want to honor or thank or glorify God. And in our so-called intellectual or emotional wisdom, we become fools. And we choose our own personal enslavement. We want to be free from the righteous standards of a, of a holy God. But you've got to serve somebody. So this means we enslave ourselves to anything but God. We enslave ourselves to gods of our own making. We enslave ourselves to sin. But we need to understand what we're, what we're getting. What we're getting ourselves into. Again, Romans 6.20 When we reject God and His Gospel because we want to be free from righteousness, we need to know the fruit, the result of that freedom. Freedom from God and His righteousness means you remain in slavery to sin. You remain separated from God. You're free from being right with God. You're free for being who God, your Creator, created you to be. You're free from doing what God created you to do. You're free from experiencing the love of God in your life. Love that sent His only Son into the world to die in your place. You're free from salvation. And you're free from a relationship with God. You're free from transformation by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're free from the fruit, the impact of the Holy Spirit in your life. You're free from love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. When you reject God and the Gospel of Jesus Christ, you free yourself from the most joy-filled, satisfying life 
possible. Not just eternal life. That's, that's a bonus. Well, maybe that, that's the thing. But this is a bonus too. This life. The, the life that Jesus says He came to give. An abundant life. Now, now you might want to know, so what do I get for that? What do I get out of, out, of, uh, out of being free from the righteousness of God? What do I get out of slavery to sin? It seems like there must be something very attractive to keep us from all God has to offer. From this abundant, joy-filled, satisfying life that God offers. What's the fruit, the benefit of slavery to sin? Romans 6.21, Paul says, But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? As you look back at your life before Christ, as you look back at the shameful things you did in service to sin, to the way you hurt others, to the way you hurt yourself, to the way you rejected God and His righteous standards, what fruit? What fruit came from that? This is actually really just a rhetorical question. Because fruit refers to something positive. It refers to something beneficial. And Paul is saying what we all know to be true by experience. Ultimately, nothing positive, nothing beneficial comes from sin, from slavery to sin. Now as Christians, those, uh, as those who've crossed from slavery to sin to slavery to God, we look back and we understand this. We look back at our past lives. We look back in shame at the ways we lived at what we lived for. How we wasted so much of our time and our effort and our resources in the pursuit of the temporal, sinful pleasures of this world. But those who are still enslaved to sin, they they have a different viewpoint. They don't see uh, their lives in terms of slavery to sin. How could they? They don't see their need for repentance and transformation. Because they're free They've put themselves in a position of freedom from God's righteousness. Now that doesn't mean they go around sinning with reckless abandon. The slave to sin has a form of human righteousness, but it's far from the righteousness of God. The world is full of people who live decent, honest, law-abiding, helpful, and often religious lives. But Paul declares that apart from salvation through Jesus Christ, all peoples are slaves to sin and are free in regard to righteousness. They are totally separated from and unrelated to God's righteousness. In Philippians 3.8, Paul describes his own personal righteousness, his own good works and religious accomplishments before he knew Christ. He says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus for my my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Everything that Paul accomplished in his own righteousness, which included uh, seeking to obey the law as a very religious Jewish man, living under the law, that and everything else in his past, he counts as, as rubbish, as trash, In God's sight, there is absolutely no benefit, no fruit that comes from the things we do apart from Christ. As the prophet Isaiah said, we have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Or as the NIV puts it, all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Nothing positive, no fruit comes from a life 
of slavery to sin. But something does come. It's not a benefit, but it's a result. It comes with certainty. Paul said it before in verse 16, and now he says it again in verse 21. Because this is the only and ultimate thing that results from slavery to sin. For the end of those things is death. The result of slavery to sin is death. Now we've already talked about death as the ultimate result of slavery to sin. Ultimately, slavery to sin You remain in slavery to sin. You you do not give yourself as an obedient slave over to God. Uh, Ultimately, that results in your condemnation and your separation from God for all eternity. But, But I also believe that Paul here is asking these Christians in Rome and us who've escaped eternal death to reflect on a a kind of death that they experienced when they were slaves to sin. This is a death that all non-believers, slaves to sin, are experiencing right now. And I would say, this is the kind of death that we, as Christians, as believers, experience when we sin. Slavery to sin means eternal death. But when at, at any time you give in to sin in your life, you experience its consequences. Right there, right then. Not eternal death, but temporal death. Temporal brokenness in your relationship with God. Because when you, when you don't submit to the, righteous, the righteousness of God, in that moment you're living as if you are a slave to sin. You've been freed. You are, are no longer under the authority of sin. But sometimes you choose to bring your, put yourself back under that authority. You choose to live under the authority of sin You become a slave to selfishness or lust or bitterness or pride or materialism or or worry or fear or whatever. And when you live like you're a slave to sin, you experience the results of that slavery. You lose fellowship with God. You lose the joy of your salvation. And you experience shame and guilt and condemnation. And this is a terrible place to be. You don't want to be there. Finding himself in, in that place, Paul cries out in Romans 7.24, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of, of death? He's experiencing this death. When we as believers give in to sin, we experience the symptoms of death. We, we become wretched and miserable. But we don't have to stay there. Because there's one who can deliver us from this body of death. There's, there's one who can restore us back to experiencing the fruit of our slavery to God. Who is that? Romans 7.25, Paul answers his own question. Who will deliver me from this body of death, this death-like experience that comes because of my sin? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. When you sin and, and you're experiencing We've all experienced this wretchedness, this misery. When you're experiencing the symptoms of death, brokenness in your relationship with God, you can turn to Jesus Christ who died in your place. He took up the cross. He went to Calvary and shed His blood for you who provides you with His righteousness. And in Christ, you can experience forgiveness and restoration. 
relationship with God. You can, again, present your members to God as as slaves of obedience and righteousness. You can begin to live not as a slave of sin, who you are not, but as a righteous slave of God, who you are in Christ Jesus. And it's when we live out the reality of, of who God in Christ has counted us to be that we no longer experience these symptoms of slavery to sin. We no longer experience brokenness in our relationship with God. Instead, we experience the fruit of slavery to God. That's our second point. In Romans 6.22, Paul contrasts our, our past slavery to sin and our current slavery to God. This is the reality for all true Christians. But now, verse 22, but now that you have been set free from sin, again, If you're in Christ, then you're no longer a slave to sin. Sin doesn't rule over you. It has no dominion over you. Because Christ defeated sin. Christ defeated death. And in Christ, you died to sin. You're set free from sin's control in your life. But now that you have been set free from sin, have become slaves of God. Remember, it's an either-or proposition. When you give your life to Jesus Christ when you're saved by grace through faith, when you present your members as obedient slaves, you are no longer a slave to sin, but you become a slave of God. And slavery to God produces actual benefits in your life. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Notice Paul says the fruit, the benefit you get leads to sanctification and its end is eternal life. So there's actually three things, if you, if you notice here. There's, there's the sanctification and eternal life. We'll talk about it in a, in, a, in a minute. But there's the fruit, the benefit that leads to these things. What is that? Well, if we look at the context, Paul's just said that, that a slave to sin is free from righteousness. And so if you are, are slaves to God, then that would say you're not free from righteousness. In fact, in Christ, you're declared, you're counted as righteous, and you're called to be a slave to righteousness. The fruit, the benefit of being under grace and being a slave to God is you are declared righteous before God. I mean, just think about that for a minute. You are, right now, if you're in Christ, if you're a Christian, a believer, you're righteous before God. I mean, sit there for a minute. It doesn't matter. I mean, again, back to... Uh, can I can I continue in my sin because I'm a, no that's crazy but it doesn't matter if you're in Christ you're righteous before God which means you can now enter into relationship with God as a slave to sin you have no part of God you have no ability to be in relationship with God but now you can enter into relationship with the Creator of the universe the holy righteous God you are not only His slave but you're his child. And he calls you. He says, draw near to me. Come into my presence. And he gives you his his Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit works in your life. This is the fruit. This is just part of this package that you receive joy and love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the Spirit of God working in you. And so the fruit we get from being a slave to God is righteousness, which means we get God Himself. 
we receive the Spirit of God in our lives, and this leads to our sanctification. Now, we touched on this word already, but now I want us to look a little closer at it. Again, it means purification, a consecration, holiness, being set apart. Now, when you look at Scripture, there's a sense in which we as believers have already been sanctified. We've been consecrated. In Hebrews 10.10, the author writes, and by that, excuse me, and by that will we have been, sorry, I'm blurring out here. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. When we put our faith in the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ, there's a sense in which we are at, in that moment sanctified. We are declared righteous. We're declared holy and pure in Christ because what happens to Christ happens to us. But there's another sense in which this word is used, and this is really, in many ways, the mystery of the Christian life. We're declared righteous and holy, but we still have to be righteous and holy. And that's the other sense this word is used. In Hebrews 10.14, just four verses later, the author writes, For by a single offering He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. By the single offering of Jesus Christ, God has perfected. It's a done deal. Those who are in Christ have been perfected. But that perfection comes through a process called sanctification. Sanctification is the process of becoming perfectly righteous and holy. The fruit you get being, de- uh, being declared righteous, being in relationship with God, receiving the Holy Spirit leads to sanctification, leads to this process of growing in holiness and righteousness before God. You see, when, when you were saved, when you were justified by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, God declared you, He counted you a sinner through, through no effort of your own, only by His grace, He declared you to be righteous before Him. God forgave your sins. He cast them as far as the... I can't do... East is from the west. I don't know which way is which. And He gave you the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And sanctification is this process of becoming who God has already counted, who's already declared you to be. In Philippians 3.12, Paul reflects on this process of sanctification in his own life. He writes, not that I have already obtained this or, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Every honest believer will admit he or she uh, still struggles with sin. We have, have not and will not in this life reach sinless perfection. We'll still struggle at becoming righteous. But in Christ, we are declared righteous before God. And sanctification is the process of being transformed into the, uh, the image of the perfect and holy Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul describes the process this way. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. We are being transformed by degrees, step by step, into the image of Jesus Christ, one step at a time. Now, how does this happen? How are we being transformed? How are we being sanctified? 
Well, sanctification is, is accomplished by the work of God in our lives. We don't accomplish our sanctification any more than we accomplish our salvation. But just like we must put our faith in God and surrender to God to receive salvation, we must put our faith in God and surrender to God to grow in sanctification. When we surrender to God's authority in our lives, when we act like slaves to God, when we act like the slaves to God that we are, when we present our members as slaves to obedience and righteousness, when we seek to live a holy and righteous life before God, God works to transform us into the image of Jesus and make us holy from the heart. We'll obey from the heart. It's not our works that make us holy, but God works through our submission to Him. As we submit to His Word, as we submit to His Spirit, who works in our lives, we are being transformed. We are being sanctified step by step. We're becoming more like Jesus Christ. And so the fruit of slavery to God is righteousness that that leads to sanctification and uh, relationship with God, which ultimately results in eternal life. Romans 6.22, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. The end of sanctification is eternal life. Eternal life that begins, not when you die, but when you enter into relationship with God. And it continues throughout all eternity. Where we, where, where we will fully and finally and eternally be who God has declared us to be. So we've seen the fruit of slavery to sin and the fruit of slavery to God. And just so we don't forget, uh, forget this, Paul sums it up for us. He gives us uh, one little compact verse. One, one, one verse, final verse summary. You can choose to live as a slave to sin or you can choose to live as a slave to God. But you need to make an informed decision. You need to compare the fruit side by side. You, know, you need to grab them out. You need to look at them. Uh, that's our final point, the fruit compared. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is one of those Romans road verses, if you're familiar with that. One of these compact verses that gives just all this truth packed. It's sort of giving all the truth we've been looking at over the past four weeks right here. It's summarizing the results of putting your faith in Christ or not putting your faith in Christ. The wages of sin. What we earn when we sin is death. The experience of death. Brokenness and separation from God in this life and eternal death. Eternal separation from God. We may think that that we can earn salvation or earn righteousness with good works. But the Bible teaches that outside of Christ, even our good works are as filthy rags. The best we have to offer is filthy rags. They're rubbish and trash. All we earn from sin is death. The only wages our old slave master pays is death. But our new slave master, God, doesn't even pay wages because we don't deserve anything. He gives us gifts. What What He gives cannot be earned. He operates through grace, through His unmerited, unearned favor. 
that He gives to those who put their faith in Him, to those who submit to Him, to those who surrender their lives to Him. And the grace of God results in eternal life. Eternal life that, again, begins when you put your trust in in Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Eternal life is not just in the future, but exists for us today. Eternal life begins when we enter into relationship with God. When we're declared righteous and, and enter into this process of sanctification, of becoming righteous. So that's the ultimate comparison of the fruit of our slavery to sin or to God. And I hope we get just how, uh, I can't think of a better word, but freaking ridiculous it is uh, uh, to think that we should choose the fruit that slavery to sin has to offer. Let me, let me, let me leave you with this image. Picture your favorite uh, piece of fruit. For me, it would be a, um, a mango. Love mangoes. The fruit of slavery to sin is like a, a rotten, blackened, maggot-infested mango. It has no value. All it brings is death. The fruit of slavery to God, however, is like a perfectly shiny, ripe, and delicious mango. It, it has great life-sustaining value. And the question we need to ask ourselves today and every day is which fruit are you going to take a bite out of? When, we're sin, when we sin, when we come under sin, when we allow ourselves to be who we were, slaves to sin, we're, we're biting that rotten, maggot-infested piece of fruit. We're rejecting all of what God has to offer. And we're saying, no, I'd rather have this crap. And I pray that that we see just how ridiculous it is to bite into the rotten fruit produced by slavery to sin. And that we, that, that we can instead uh, bite into the right, delicious, satisfying fruit of slavery to God. That we on a daily basis would run from, from who we once were. Shameful slaves to sin. And embrace our slavery, our submission, our surrender to God. And we would not present our our members to sin, which leads to to rotten fruit of death, but to God, which leads to the ripe fruit of righteousness and sanctification and eternal life. Would you pray with me to that end? Father God, I pray for myself. I pray for all those here. Trusted in You, Lord. I pray that as we... Seek to walk this Christian life. Lord, I pray, pray that we would submit to you, that we would offer ourselves up to you, that we would seek to receive the, the fruit that you give those who surrender to you, the delicious, joyful, satisfying life that you offer, and that we would reject, we would reject sin. And Lord, when we do sin, that, that the time between the sin and, and repentance and coming back to You and coming back to the fruit of slavery to You, Lord, would be so short. Give us power to overcome the sin in our lives. In Christ's name, Amen. Amen.